Why is it that with diabetes, it feels like you're walking through an endless landmine where every single lesson learned for managing blood sugars is like stepping on a landmine and learning, oh, right, I shouldn't do that because it wrecks my blood sugars. Now, today we're going to talk about how everything is not as it seems, which is why I'm wearing a little bit of a different outfit today. I've got a mustache. I mean, there's a lot of confusing things with diabetes. And today, we're going to demystify a bit of these blood sugar puzzles. And I can't wait to get into it. Because diabetes can suck less, but you gotta know what you're doing to navigate that minefield. So, let's get into our theme song, and I got a story for you. I've spent the last 10 years pushing the limits while identifying trends and patterns in my type 1 diabetes management. Follow along as I learn, apply, and share the fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle strategies that I've learned from diabetes experts around the world. The real question is, how can we live fearlessly with diabetes while maintaining stable blood sugars? This podcast is here to give you the answer. My name is Matt Vandevecht, head coach and co-founder of FTF Warrior, and welcome to Part of My Pancreas. All right, so obviously I look very different. Uh, in fact, I can't see the screen right now, so I'm taking these glasses off, and uh, those are my new triathlon or Ironman glasses, whatever. Uh, so I spent the week growing this mustache just for this lesson because I want you guys to know that not everything is as it seems. See, I still got my, my standard warrior shirt on, don't you worry. But uh, no, with diabetes, just as with my outfit, things can change day to day, episode to episode. And last night, for me, was New Year's Eve. So we're starting a new year fresh today, right? And last night, or I guess during the day, but last night I checked my Instagram DMs and found a message from somebody who's having a really hard time. And this episode partially goes out to that individual who is likely listening to this or watching this, but also to everyone else who experiences something similar in the frustration behind the mysterious blood sugar spikes and falls. Now I'm gonna use an example from this individual, which is why they are staying anonymous, but it's an example that I used to experience myself as well. And that is things happening to blood sugars that you think have zero meaning or cause, right? Uh, the individual that had reached out mentioned that they were currently in a situation where blood sugars were plummeting but there was zero insulin on board, or at least very minimal. It had been hours since their last dose. And thinking through, what could possibly be leading into this? And uh, their message resonated with me, especially because I've personally been in situations that they are in currently where even though blood sugars are plummeting, they're higher, right? So there is no actual danger, but the thought process is, but what if my blood sugars were lower? So for me, many years ago, uh, I would sit in the 200s, 300s, and even for a short period of time, 400s, and be comfortable up there and think, well, as long as I'm up here, I'm safe from the threat of low blood sugars, right? And so for me, whenever I would see blood sugars that seemingly had no reason or rhyme to plummet, I would get nervous and think, that's why I keep my blood sugars high, right? Because I don't want to be at a perfect 90, 100, 110 kind of a blood sugar and then plummet, right? Because there's no buffer. I'm going to drop and I'm going to experience an urgent low blood sugar and I hate those. So I just stayed in the higher blood sugars because I didn't know what to expect with these blood sugar uh, fluctuations. Now, the issue is that every single blood sugar we experience happens for a reason. And I want you to know that. Like every blood sugar has a cause. The spikes, the falls, the stables, 
everything has a cause. The issue is that we don't always know what those causes are, right? And there's this ignorance tax that we have to pay, where if you don't know the cause of something, it's going to keep happening until you figure out the cause, until you identify what is leading into the mysterious fluctuations behind blood sugars, and then take action to balance it out, right? And so we'll, we'll ignore or set aside this example from the individual and give you one of my own from recently, where I've been seeing high blood sugars overnight. In fact, I got this smartwatch recently and I found out uh, that I have a different alarm set on the watch than I do on my phone and it scared the heck out of me the first night because it sounds like something from uh, the Twilight Zone, if you're old enough to know what that show is or was. And uh, it's spooky. It sounds like aliens are invading uh, and that's the high alert sound for me. Anyways, uh, it scared me half to death in the middle of the night, but I've seen a pattern of high blood sugars. Now for me, initial thought, oh, my basal insulin, or if you were on MDI, long-acting insulin, isn't strong enough, right? And uh, that was my initial response, is just to take more insulin, which is not always the answer. If you've been paying attention here for any level, or any amount of time. Uh, second thought though, is I had to zoom out and think, what lifestyle habits might be impacting my blood sugars, right? And this is something that for many years, I never considered. As a diabetic, I didn't know that choices we make throughout the day can impact blood sugars later or even throughout the night. But what I found when I just zoomed out a little bit is, of course, snacking before bed, we would expect to impact blood sugars, but that had just skipped my mind. And I was having high protein, high fat snacks right before bed, and it was impacting blood sugars overnight, right? But if I'm ignorant to or blind to what other factors might impact blood sugars, I would never have figured it out, or worse off, I would have solved for the wrong problem. So if I had just continued adding basil, adding basil, adding basil, more insulin, more insulin, more insulin, I would get to a place where if I ever wasn't hungry before bed, I'd skip the snack and then I would plummet and go low during the night, right? So when we look at these frustrating experiences with blood sugars, it's not that they're completely mysterious, it's that they're mysterious to us because we are ignorant of the root cause, right? We are blind to what is causing blood sugars to go up and down. And this is the ignorant tax that you will continue to pay until you identify the root cause. So a great example of this, I spike after my meals, right? I hear that all the time on consultation calls that I do with clients, with prospective clients. Um, it's not always going to be carbs, but that's typically where we go first, right? Oh, I had carbs for breakfast. It, carbs are the worst. Carbs are the devil. No, they're not, right? You can balance things out so that carbohydrates are still an option. Perfect example, I've been 100% time in range today, which I used to pretend was attributed to mustaches because for some whatever reason, whenever I have a mustache, I have 100% time in range for the day. I should just keep it and see how long it goes, right? See if I can break my old seven-day record for 100%. But a lot of people think, oh, I can't have carbs. I'm 100% time in range right now, and I had 100 grams of carbs for breakfast. How's that? Well, because I looked at other potential sources for blood sugar fluctuations. So when we consider things like insulin to carb ratio, like how much insulin do I take for the carbs that I eat, uh, insulin timing, how long is my pre-bolus? Do I take all the insulin up front or is it split into two doses, right? Or is it an extended bolus if I'm on a pump? Do I have to count things in like exercise or sleep quality? Two nights ago, and then for the week leading up to that, did not sleep very well. It was 
horrendous. <laughs> We're still navigating parenting and trying to figure out the whole sleep thing. Uh, last night, I slept better. So I didn't have to adjust for poor sleep quality. So there's a lot of things that do impact blood sugars and I know it can feel overwhelming at first. But I promise you, as you start to learn about these things and implement them one by one by one, it'll start to become more second nature. You think about the first time you drove a car, right? I don't know about you, but I was overwhelmed just by the fact that I had three mirrors I had to check and a windshield. You look forward, you look behind you, look both sides, like, which way am I supposed to look? I'm always up, down, all around. How are you supposed to not crash, right? And that's the issue with diabetes, is it, it feels like it's overwhelming, and how do you not crash? Well, it's gonna take some time, it's gonna take some effort, and it's gonna take some new information to allow you to stay in range. And back to the minefield example, a lot of times our, our doctors and our endos, our medical teams in general, set us off into this minefield of diabetes where there's landmines everywhere, but they're not marked, right? And it's your job to navigate the minefield without stepping on too many landmines. And the issue with the medical system currently is that their thought process is, oh, you'll step on a few and figure out what to look for, right? Trial and error, go experiment on your own and check back in, let us know how it goes. And this was how my endo treated my diabetes for the first like eight years, right? Where I'd come back in and I'd say, oh my gosh, I had high blood sugars every day for the last three months since our last appointment. What can I do about that? You know what? Let's give you some more insulin and then come back in three months and tell me how it goes. And then I would spend the next three months going low every single night. I'm like, what's the deal? And then I'd go back and tell them like, oh, maybe you have brittle diabetes. Maybe it's just more difficult for you, right? And I'm like, that's just an excuse for you to not be able to figure out what's going on in my diabetes, you know? Uh, but what I wanted to, to ultimately bring to the table today is that if there are frustrating or mysterious fluctuations of blood sugars, it's not because diabetes is harder for you than it is for everybody else. It might be, but if that's what you tell yourself, then you're not gonna try to figure it out. So I think that's a disempowering move to say, oh, I just have a harder life than everybody. No, instead I want to say, why? Why are the blood sugars doing this, right? I want to reduce the ignorance task, task, ignorance tax that is on my life by learning more things, by expanding my map and understanding where the landmines are to give me a better chance of navigating life with diabetes without stepping on the landmines to begin with, right? So this individual is asking me about, uh, you know, why would blood sugars plummet hours after a dose of insulin? And the truth is, I don't know yet and it's because we haven't talked yet. Uh, we're actually, we have a, a consultation call, so this individual is gonna have a chat with me. We're gonna see if we can uncover what's been going on, and I can tell you right off the bat, there's a couple different pieces to this. It could be activity with a delayed onset of insulin sensitivity. It could be poor insulin absorption, where it, maybe it takes longer to uh, get into the system, into circulation, and now the insulin's hitting, right? It could be the type of food consumed. If you have a low-fat, low-protein diet, you might see a spike and then a big fall because there's nothing to keep it stable, right? Uh, and there's a lot more that we can go into, and this individual and I will probably go into as we try and uncover which landmines they have been stepping on and how to avoid them in the future. But as we move into 2024, with today being day one for me, uh, with you watching this episode, it's probably day two or later. But as we move into 2024, I want you to consider how you might reduce the ignorance tax on your life. Because you're going to pay it 
until you reduce it, right? So if you think about taxes, at least in the US, there are taxes that we pay on our income, on our house, on our purchases, on everything. It's stupid, but <laughs> we pay taxes, right? And one of the, the goals each year is to reduce how much, how much taxes you pay by finding different you know, uh, donations or contributions or uh, loopholes, as you will, to identify which options you have to reduce your tax. And I'm not a tax master or uh, this isn't tax advice in any capacity. <laughs> That's not my area of expertise. But similarly with life, and of course life with diabetes, we need to find ways to reduce our ignorance tax. The frustrations that we will continue to pay with uh, this uncertainty, with the blind spots that we have within our diabetes. So if I don't know, that going for a run is going to cause my blood sugars to drop, then I am going to continue experiencing massive drops in blood sugar until I identify that gap, that blind spot in my knowledge, right? So 2024, let it be the year that you identify and reduce your blind spots in diabetes so that you can reduce the amount of landmines that you step on. Now, how do you do that? I mean, I've got a bookshelf full of diabetes books. I've got over a decade of experimentation research like this is something that's going to take some time if you are going to actually reduce your blind spots because you don't know what you don't know and that's one of the the most frustrating parts about it is that there are things that i don't know that i am unaware of right uh somebody could tell me tomorrow that uh let's see electricity shocking me impacts blood sugars I wouldn't know that, right? That's something new. But we have to stay open to learning new things. So that's the first step, just be open to new strategies that you might not be aware of. And I'll end with this. Uh, I had an individual on a call once tell me they had 40 years of type one diabetes experience, lived experience, right? They've had type one diabetes for 40 years. There's nothing new that they could learn after all this experience and that they should be the one teaching, right? And I said, do you think that anything has changed in the last 40 years? <laughs> I just kind of sat there for a second and they're like, all right, what can you teach me? And I was like, good, like this is healthy, right? To be open to new ideas because not only do things change, year over year and oftentimes with diabetes, month over month, week after week. But the big question that I posed later, more of in a friendly tone, of course, was do you have 40 years of lived experience with diabetes or do you have one year of learned experience repeated 40 times? In other words, did you spend the first year learning about how to manage your diabetes and then just copy and paste 40 times? Or were you truly innovating and learning new strategies every single year for 40 years? Chances are, and I've done this too, we learn what we need to to survive and then we copy and paste what works because we don't want to mess with it, right? So 2024, this is going to be a year of experimentation for me. I've actually got boxes of different technology pieces for diabetes, different methods, different diets already lined up, different exercise routines. I'm going to be jumping back into experimentation mode as I write a book on a lot of these topics. Uh, pieces of this are actually going to be going into this book so that I can share what I learn. But I want you to start looking at your own life as well. Where might you be ignorant or blind to the frustrating fluctuations of blood sugars? And I'll give you a hint. If blood sugars aren't doing what you want them to, that's probably a blind spot, right? If you're like, I'm taking the right amount of insulin, I'm pre-bolusing, I'm doing what I'm supposed to, and phew, blood sugars took off. They're 200 plus. Dang it. 
That's a blind spot, right? Because you experienced an end result that was not intended. Similarly, if you go low, could be during exercise, right? Well, I know that I go low during exercise. Well, then why haven't you stopped it? Why haven't you been able to keep blood sugars perfectly level through your workouts, through your meals? Why are you not achieving the desired result of stable blood sugars? It's because of a blind spot. It's because of this ignorance tax that you continue to pay and will continue to pay until it is reduced. So you can only grow to the extent of your blind spots. If you've got something in your path, an obstacle or a challenge that's blocking your way, but you're blind to it and you can't see it, you're gonna continue hitting and bumping into that obstacle forever until you take off the blindfolds and you're like, oh, that's the problem. There's something that's in my way, right? Now, to recap this whole episode and to kind of hint at a few of the pieces going into my book as well, there's three levels to this game with diabetes. Level one is you gotta be able to fix your blood sugars in the now, like blood sugars are high. How much insulin do I take, <laughs> right? Or what else can I do? Sometimes more insulin isn't the answer as we just talked about, which leads us into level two. As you zoom out, we want to uh, be able to uncover other factors that are leading into blood sugar fluctuations. What else is impacting blood sugars? There are a lot of variables, uh, more than 50 actually, that can impact ups and downs of blood sugars, which once you start to understand the bigger picture, that opens up level three, which is predictability within our blood sugar management. When you start to see how these different things interact, this type of food with that type of exercise, with this low quality of sleep, I can see where blood sugars are gonna end up. And that's the ultimate goal, right? Because if you can predict where blood sugars are gonna go, you get to live your life as you wish with stable blood sugars, right? Uh, in fact, we did a whole challenge on this recently that I was gonna be, uh, I workshopped a lot of the ideas that are going into the book. And we decided to reopen that just for you guys. If you're interested in understanding more of the variables that are at play, understanding how to reduce or remove your blind spots in 2024 as we get into more of a free flow and flexible management style with blood sugars. Once you go to steadybloodsugars.com, get a special little surprise for you there. Uh, no, it's a five-day challenge that we teach you everything that I talked about in this episode and more how to actually redirect blood sugars and then how to zoom out and see the whole picture. Right, so uh, steadybloodsugars.com. I'll put the link in the description as well. That's gonna be your key to success this year. And I want you to have that. So go check it out, steadybloodsugars.com. I hope this one was helpful for you. And uh, I really hope that as you start to uncover blind spots, that it gives you more peace of mind and quality of life. Because diabetes doesn't have to be the end. It doesn't have to even get in the way. It just has to be something we look at a little bit differently as we look at moving through life with diabetes. All right, so happy new year. Hope you had a great one. I'll catch you in the next episode. Keep up the fight.